Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Here we are. I'm having so much fun with these new conversations. Uh, so I want to start today by saying I just got out of the shower and are you one of those people who gets like shower moments where you like think of things in the shower? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, and I'm not even like super clear yet on what the moment was, but I was just really feeling like this space I don't know if it will stay named the full spectrum space that's what we're recording for today is like the community that I'm cultivating that I'm not clear on what it is yet (laughs) and I was just thinking like what we really just need so I wrote a book does your shirt say abortion because it looks like it does yes abortion rights are human rights yeah abortion rights are human rights exactly so my book was called what I wish Um, and it was just all things I wish I heard after my abortion. And that is like the, you know, you've watched enough of my work. Like that is the bulk of my work. It's just like, what are we not saying? What do we wish we could hear? And it seems like kind of an obvious aha moment, but this morning I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing now. It's just like what I wish we were talking about as people who were born female, people with uteruses and lots of estrogen, like menstruation and all those things that come with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just this kind of like, oh, okay, this is the same work, but different. And it's really just, when I was thinking about talking with you, I was like, okay, well, Jackie, what do you wish people knew about being a woman, about being a person with born with a uterus (laughs) I think that's what we should talk about today and I think that is really just where I'm headed is like let's have all the conversations we wish we were having about everything not just abortion but I will continue to talk about abortion to the end of my days um so anyway that's my rambling here we are intro into the conversation that will be about whatever we wish to talk about do you want to just tell people who um, made it this far in my rambling what um, what you do and how you view the world and yeah. just give them a sense of who you are and then we'll jump into the good stuff? Okay, so um, I always introduce myself as a Capricorn Ravenclaw because I think that really summarizes a lot. You, you can learn a lot about me by just knowing those two words right there. Um, I am also an INTJ, an Enneagram 5, so I am the person that is constantly trying to figure out why, mm. because I think that's going to help me be in control. and Right, and once I know why, life. I'll know what to yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. So I am also a 47, and so I am right in the midst of perimenopause. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely something I wish more people were talking about. Um, I live in Iowa, have been born and raised here. 
And as far as what I do to generate income to pay my bills, I am a certified online business manager mm -hmm. and I partner with coaches to launch and scale their group coaching programs and make it fun and easy and hustle free. Amazing. I still, I've been an entrepreneur for a while and a coach for like about three years and the word launch still makes me like, <laughs> That is exactly why I do what I do. So exactly that is why you do what you do. I'm like, look. <laughs> because I want more coaches to not have that reaction so that yeah. more programs are out into the world. I've yeah. had enough clients with group programs that I have been involved in and seen the impact that their programs have on people and how life-changing it is. And I am not a coach um, per se, I do some coaching with my work as far as with my clients, helping them with their mm -hmm. launch mindset, but yeah. my skill set is in strategies and planning and being organized and making sure all the little pieces are happening to take that off of other people's plates so that they can do what they do best. So I bow down to you. <laughs> Strategy is another word that makes me go like this. <laughs> Again, why I do what I do. I am. I was just, you were talking about your shower moment. I have them when I go walking and mm -hmm. I just recently moved to downtown Des Moines with my pup. And so we've been walking a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, she's used to being out on 11 acres. And so I've been having a lot of epiphany moments and I was like, oh, I'm Spock. I, I used to be nicknamed Spock when I was a kid um, because that's just my approach to the world. And I was like, but I'm the Spock to the Captain Kirk's out there. And oh a lot gosh, of coaches are so like fun. Captain Curse. They're visionary. They're action takers. They're go-getters. And I am the, the one behind the scenes just making sure everything is getting done. So. That's so good. So should we turn this into a consult call? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Star Trek. I have I have history with Star Trek. So I followed that. Is Ravenclaw like a Harry Potter thing? Is that yes, why you said that? that? Yeah, okay, because I was Potter like... House. Some people will know that. I do not. I'm not. I've never read Harry Potter. I've never seen Harry Potter. I know nothing about Harry Potter. I, right now, there would have been a time in my life where I would have been like, oh my God, what are you thinking? And now I'm like, mm, JK Rowling can't really support her. So I, that whole, you know, taking the art away from the artist and yeah. that, that I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know what to do with it because it's been so impactful. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, if you haven't, you know, consumed anything, don't give her money now. <laughs> <laughs> don't give her money now. But, you know, I don't know. A lot of people have great, great uh, takeaways from the content. Like you said, the, yes. taking the art away from the artist. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Um, I was going to let the Ravenclaw thing go, but then you went to Star Trek and I was like, okay, now I'm circling back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you and I both. I am 40, well, I'll be 44 soon, next month. And I think, I, I think what I'm realizing is that I've probably been in perimenopause for a little while. I just wasn't labeling it as such, or maybe I'm completely wrong and I'm not, but it certainly feels like it based on a lot of things that are happening in my body. So I too am on this journey. And I actually had a moment yesterday they're usually around water. I think I was doing the dishes. It's another place. Driving, walking, water. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is interesting, Amanda. I am usually the person who talks about it after I've been through it. Mm -hmm. Like, 
all of the things I've talked about in my life up till this point have been things I went through. And then I was like, oh, now I get it. And I need to talk about it. And I was just noticing yesterday that perimenopause is something I'm like kind of jumping ahead on the curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let me learn and talk about this as I'm going through it instead of before I go through it. I'm hesitating on my words because I did study like pregnancy and birth and you know I did a lot of doula study before I have kids but this feels different I don't know why but it's been interesting to like really feel like I'm entering perimenopause and trying to share resources at the same time which comes from like a different kind of vulnerability like I I have no idea what I'm talking about but do you want to talk about it with me? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's definitely a few years back, I'd say about five years ago, uh, my friends and I were talking about, you know, nobody talks about this. And we actually started getting together to talk about the things that nobody was talking wow. about. Like at the, we'd get together at the coffee shop because, you know, one friend was all of a sudden out of the blue dealing with panic disorder. And yeah. And, uh, you know, we're reading statistics that women are more likely to be diagnosed as schizophrenic during perimenopause than at any other point. And all of these things are jumping out. And we're like, you know, we get all of this training about starting menstruation, although it's mm-hmm. crap, that training that we or that education we get if we get it in public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing really is talked about the like what could be 10 years of your life. Yeah. Um, before your period actually stops and, and goes away, which is yeah. the other thing that gets talked about is like your period ends, but that's all they tell you. They don't tell you yeah. about like this possible yeah. 10 year transition where your body is, feels like somebody else's body and you don't know what it's going to be like from day to day and how that isn't just a bodily function, but it also help, uh, impacts your capacity to um, deal with stress, your capacity to be able yeah. to focus to handle emotional swings, all of that stuff. They just, I mean, hello, women in their forties are pretty much ignored and invisible. So of course they're not talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like most people can, like they hear the word menopause and all they think is hot flashes and that's it. And then we're done. Like, oh, that must suck. We'll get or, or they're ragey bitches you know, from men's perspectives, you hear often men talk about women, how they, you know, they hit that time and they just turned into, you know, ragey bitches. So, I'm kind of embracing my ragey bitch lately. Yes. Well, I, we're, re- we're reading Hegetude right now. And I don't oh. know if you, you have read that. No. But the very first chapter talks about, yes, when women start to hit, are in mm-hmm. perimenopause and menopause, they do get ragey because they're looking back at their life and they're like, what the fuck? I have put everybody else first and I have, you know, shoved down all my emotions and my thoughts to raise children or whatever it happened to be to make other people happy. And now they're hitting a point where they're like, excuse me, I would like to live my life now. So of course they're a little ragey. Yeah, of course they're a little ragey. I kind of, I was recording some videos this morning. I don't remember if I posted them or not. I'm like trying to learn TikTok. I just told my coach the other day that I'm like, not doing it. I tried. Done. I know. I tried to. And then launching this membership, I decided, you know what? I'm going to learn. I'm going to figure this out. And if I don't like it after I learn, then I am going to 
step away. But anyway, I recorded a couple of videos that were sort of about this similar topic. And then someone else, do you know Sarah Fisk? The name sounds familiar, familiar, but. Oh, damn it. I can't think of her whole name. Anyway, a, a amazing coach. And um, she was talking about the, like, I used to meet people and just assume I would want to be their friend and they were lovely and I will welcome them in. And, and she's also, she does a lot of work around people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And I just love the way she talked about it. She was like, I am at a point where I need to learn the other boundary. And so I, it may seem like I'm in the process and it may seem extreme that I'm like, meet you. And I'm like, just going to assume kind of the opposite until I know more information. And that may seem really intense, but like, I have to understand that boundary Mm. of absolutely no, we will not be friends in order to figure out where I really sit on the spectrum between like no one's allowed in and everyone's allowed in. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So I guess I thought of that when you said people pleasing, because I think, yeah, women in their forties so often get to this place where like, Oh, I've been people pleasing for decades, Mm -hmm. decades, like literally since we were little girls. Yeah. Yeah. And now maybe I'm done with that. Mm -hmm which can make us seem like ragey bitches in addition to the hormonal swings we're moving through. Well, anytime we just put up boundaries and express our, you know, our thoughts and emotions and beliefs, mm-hmm. we can do it in the exact same way as a white straight dude and it'll still come off, you know, yeah. perceived as ragey bitches. bitches. So. <sighs> um, what of your like, feminist values do you feel like the world needs to know about as they enter this age and think back to like their entire time the other thing I'm wanting to do in this space but still finding the words for is like wanting us to be able to look back at our whole timeline and be like oh it wasn't that stage and that stage and that stage they were all connected and woven together and like they have all had sort of themes and patterns and I learned from this and brought it into that and do you know what I mean how we like think of it as like compartmentalizing the parts of our life and I'm wanting to find more ways for us to weave it all together and be like oh that pattern started here and then I brought it here and I evolved it and adapted and so of your like feminist values and experiences like what do you think can help us do that? If that doesn't make sense, I can talk about it a different way because again, figuring it out. I think for me, one of my feminist values is that we're always learning. Mm-hmm. And that is in reaction to the perfectionism that I grew up with and Mm -hmm. adopted and wore as a badge of honor for a very, very long time. Like I am a perfectionist. I was proud of it. You know, like you can expect perfection from me or whatever, which then translated into beating myself up every single time I wasn't (sighs) perfect. And so learning or trying to learn that one, there is no such thing as perfection and that life is a journey in learning mm-hmm. is, is probably what I would say is 
the overarching feminist value that I have right now and helping me approach every aspect of my life, whether that's my business mm -hmm. or my personal life, my relationships, my relationship with myself, especially looking back and doing a lot of reparenting work and seeing myself at four and at 15 and at 20 and saying you were doing the best that you could yeah. at the time with the skills that you had with the role models that you had and you learned from four-year-old to 15-year-old self to 15-year-old self to 20-year-old self maybe you didn't do the greatest of jobs of integrating what you learned uh, but that's okay. Again, you were doing the best you could with what you had. Um, so I think that's. I th yeah, I, I love this because yes, and you step you moved to where my brain was going when you talked about reparenting work, um, because I was thinking. I think what so many of us don't understand is that even if we're through the experience, we can keep learning from it, mm -hmm. and that's that timeline piece where it's like. Um, I had my abortion, it'll be six years ago, and I still am learning and integrating from that. Like, just because we've been through it, we went through those years of infertility, or we had that, that period where the endometriosis was running our lives, or we, whatever it is, maybe some people are now through perimenopause and they're like, oh, I wish I'd known that then. <laughs> I think that is something that most of us do not understand is that we can go back and keep learning even when we're through it it's mm -hmm. not like I missed my opportunity to learn mm -hmm. it's like that is some of the magic is going back and reparenting re-friending re, -friending, re like we we do use that word of like parenting a lot but it's really just like if I could be my own friend at that time if I could be my own advocate at that time if I could be my own like source of compassion at that time and then kind of changing the way we perceive our old experiences mm -hmm. and growing from those lessons even if it was decades ago I think that work is gonna make us die happy <laughs> um I so I do EMDR therapy with uh -huh. my therapist yeah because I am very good at articulating what needs to be heard mm -hmm. for my therapy sessions and so finally I was like I can I can say all the things that need to be said and you know, like it's in my brain I can intellectualize it it's getting deeper that it needs to happen so we decided to do EMDR and it's been so surprising to me in those sessions to be like wait a minute what like that explains that that was when I was four or that was when I was six and I can't believe that I am still carrying like that one episode that happened to me when I was eight years old I interpreted it as as this and I have created an entire pattern or an entire identity around this one thing that I don't even like have on the top of my mind like it didn't stick enough to be at the forefront it was buried deep down in there yeah um, but I do think that there is a little bit to be said about like digging into the past and focusing so much when it's like, okay, well that happened. Let's focus on moving forward. And I think sometimes we have a tendency when it comes to like therapy and things along those lines is like, we get stuck in that. This is why I did it. Okay. Yes. That's why you did it. But 
like let's focus on the breaking the pattern and, and moving forward and what's life going to be like which is something I think coaches are really good at helping with. yeah I think there's the just talking about it a lot that does not work for my coachy personality in as a way of being and then there's the talking about it until you unlock that thing and you see the place and then it like releases the tension release. of the yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. And now like it can be something as small as, I don't know, some experience you had with your brother and then like over an object or a, like can be some little thing that now every time you go shopping, you're telling yourself some, st- I'm just making stuff up, but like you're telling yourself some story And once you like unlock that connection in your brain, it releases it. And then the next time you go shopping, it's not just that you're noticing it, it's actually changed. That is the magic. That is the always learning. Especially because it's like always learning and always unlocking. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're, you know, a kid, you don't always understand the, the abstract of something it's so concrete because you just don't have that capacity to think and so it gets programmed into your brain and now that you're older and you can look back and you're like what the you know that wasn't a, that wasn't any big deal and so that release happens and yeah it's like a completely oh I don't have to be that way anymore so yeah, yeah. and like that wasn't a part of my personality right so sometimes yeah. that's it too you said I don't have to be that way anymore because we thought it was just the way we are mm-hmm. which sometimes it is because there's also like all the human design and woo-woo stars and like which I t- also believe in like you said what did you say I'm an I I'm an uh INTJ and uh, yeah <laughs> Enneagram 5 and all of those things and I'm very I mean, much a, think... give me a personality assessment and I'm taking it <laughs> me too and they're almost so I'm like one of those people they're they're like all so accurate for me <laughs> so some of that is like not that it's unmalleable but some of that is our personality but the stuff that comes from a story or a moment or an interaction in a relationship or like a parenting nurture experience, that stuff is not locked in. It's just not. And so I love this value of looking back at our timeline of reproductive experiences with the lens of like, I'm still learning Mm -hmm. about what it would have been like to be a teen athlete and not have to hide that I was menstruating or whatever it is right like I to what it would have been like to be in college and celebrate my sexual desire in a way that was safe and empowered versus like whatever it actually was um so yeah that's good. I like it. When you say that, there's, there's something I always saw in the work world when I was, you know, a W-2 employee that reminds me of this. It was one of those mentalities of, well, I had to do it, so you do too, or I had to mm-hmm. suffer through it, so you do too, versus I had to suffer through it. I wish it wasn't that way, so I want to make it better for you. And I think the same thing can be applied to this conversation of, yeah. of yeah, we had to go through that, but don't we wish we didn't have to? So right? let's 
work towards making it so that future people don't have to go through what we went through. Since I opened this space, um, just like when I opened the conversation around abortion, a lot of people send me messages or TikToks or like articles, um, or I was just in a conversation with some girlfriends and she said, okay, new development, peeing with orgasms. And I was like, oh, that's a thing no one's talking about never heard of that now i i said to her like you know i'm gonna research this and talk about it (laughs) just like having the conversations is a part of how we um i forget how you worded it now like not just i went through that and so you you will too just get through it figure it out Uh versus like i went through that and i'm gonna talk about it so that you, and I'm obviously not going to out this person and she probably won't talk about it. But she told me now I'm anonymously going to be like, Hey, you're not the only one. <laughs> this happened to me or this happened to my girlfriend and I'm going to talk about it. So it can be different for you. So there can mm-hmm. be less shame around it so that you can yeah. get whatever help may be available so that you um, can have the conversations you need to with your partner. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my new what I wish lens. I wish we were talking about peeing with mm-hmm. orgasms. Let's talk. I, I mean, can we just talk about orgasms to start with? Female can we just orgasms? Talk about orgasms to start with. I mean, that's still one of those topics that we barely are allowed to touch on. So I just recorded one of these chats with a woman from um, Ireland, and she is an amazing conversation about her. Um, what led her to a diagnosis in PMDD. Mm. And um, she was noting that one of the reasons she avoided m- medicating for her mental well being was she had heard that it would reduce her libido. And she was like, orgasms are all I have left. <laughs> like, I am miserable. I am not giving up orgasms too. And, you know, you can listen to the episode, anyone watching, um, eventually she did start taking Lexapro and mm. is a completely different, happier human mm. and figured out how to have that orgasm Abort. too. But how many people also have that story, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to go on Lexapro. I don't want to go on whatever the um, medication is for depression or anxiety or any kind of mood because orgasms are all I have left. It's my only pleasure. (laughs) So many things we're not talking about. And I do think having coming into this now in this stage in my business um, from the abortion world is like very freeing because I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I can talk about abortion the way I can talk about abortion, I can talk about orgasms. I can talk about peeing when you don't want to pee. I can talk about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure there will be things I stumble upon where I'm like, yeah. oh shit, how am I going to talk about that? But um, I think we can break down all this stigma and the silence uh-huh. and the hiding and the, and then who do we get to be? What, yeah. we, what businesses do we get to launch? Because we're not afraid anymore. We're uh-huh. not in hiding anymore. Yep. Ooh, that may be a question to ask and sort of wrap up with is like, so you're working with people who want 
like me to be mm -hmm. even more seen mm -hmm. um, to help even more people what are some of the repeating stories that hold us back um i would say i think when it comes to specifically to launching what i hear a lot of times is this association with launching with a lot of sleaziness and salesies and a lot of pressure because mm -hmm. you have to like fill your group or whatever it happens to be and it turns into either well i'm just gonna you know send out a couple of emails or i'm um, just i'm not gonna live launch i'm just gonna evergreen which means you're actually launching all the time as opposed to the like containers of launching mm -hmm. it's it's just a lot of avoidance um it's an overwhelm mm -hmm. of not knowing where to start which is where i with my services really start with well who are you as a person like what are your strengths how do you like to work are you a hogwarts you know a ravenclaw or a gryffindor or a whatever or are you a manifesting generator or a projector because those two things are going to impact how you would approach a launch um what are your core values what yeah. do you want your business to function like you know like what are your commitments and take those things and build a launch based off of that as opposed to what you see everybody else doing out there because everybody else out there is doing a launch that works for them hopefully doesn't mean it's going to work for you so figure yeah. out what you like to do and and do that because yeah. that's going to resonate more with you, the clients you want to work with but it's also going to feel better for yourself i think too that a lot of people will jump into launching forgetting that launching is more than just the promotion not just the being visible. There's a lot of things that need to happen before that. And some of that is learning how to take care of yourself during mm -hmm. stressful times in your business. Uh, that time when you have your cart open, if it's a set time, it can be a stressful time, even if you did all of the planning, because it's kind of a dopamine hit and an adrenaline rush. So what are you gonna do during that week to make sure that you're caring for your body so that at the end of the week, you don't have this crash or so that during that week, you know, let your family know, I'm going to be maybe a little stressed out this week. Mm -hmm. Here's what needs to happen. Here's how you can support me. Um, I don't care if laundry gets done or we're going to have laundry service that week. We're going to have a lot of Uber Eats that week, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But what do you need to do to take care of yourself throughout that entire process? Because it is, um, even with coaching, your brain is just going to be a brain and it's going to tell you all the things you don't want to hear. Uh, and you have to find a way to support yourself throughout that entire yeah. process. I was jotting down notes, as you probably could see, because I was like, okay, it's all clicking together for me. Well, so the first thing I wrote down as my own story is like, when I think about launching your strategy, my first thought is I'm not smart enough. And I was raised in a world that taught me other people knew better than me, right? about my own body, about my own health, about my own family planning, all of it, right? right? So just like making these connections, um, you mentioned avoidance, like where do we learn avoidance? Other people saying to us, we don't want to hear about it. We don't want to like, and then we avoid because other people don't want to hear about it. Overwhelm, 
how many of us learn just figure it out whether Mm -hmm. it's our periods our sexuality our like health pain health or whatever just figure it out all these you can see the connection Mm -hmm. and all these messages and how they come into something like business even you said um you said like what do you like how do you want to launch pleasure we are not taught to think about what we like and how we want to launch how we want to (laughs) orgasm like it's all connected and the last one I wrote down was when you were talking about self-care right like if we are launching something into the world whether it's a store or a online business or anything we're we don't Self-care feels like against our programming of others first, put others first, others Mm -hmm. first. And so I just feel like that was a rush of examples of how our experiences as women, as people with uteruses and hormones and all the things teaches us these lessons that affect our work that affect our relationships that affect like how we grocery shop it's all connected well and you were you were as you were talking about the launching and the self-care i was thinking about our birth experience in the united states which is literally come in have your baby get out Maybe stay for a couple of days if you had a C-section. There is no nobody there afterwards to help you figure out, you know, physical therapy that you could do to take care of your C-section scar. It was 12 years after my C-section before I saw a PT to help me deal with 12 years of problems, which in other countries, they show up right there in your hospital room where you've been able to stay for a few days to recover and take care uh-huh. of yourself. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, no, it's it's rush, get in, get out type of a situation. And as soon as you have the baby, it's all about the baby. It's all about the baby. There's and there's very no, little talk. like yeah. self-care okay. is not a thing. It's self-sacrifice to care for this being. Yeah. And the being is the, oh, but she's so cute. Oh, but he's so, you know, it's, absolutely such a good example is our birth care and our postpartum care and yeah just my hope again when I was talking about like weaving together all the experiences of our reproductive lives also seeing how they're related to all the other things that we think they're not related to That was it. That's our chat. Unless you have something else burning that you want to say, you want to share with my people, whoever my I people do. are. I think we covered it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Was fun. Um, okay, where can people find you if they, maybe they are launching something and they want to take all these patterns and stories out of their reproductive timeline, change them so they can go be badass in the world. My website is Jackie, J-A-C-K-I, Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, dot me, or they can find me on Instagram at Jackie Hayes underscore O-B-M. Cool. What's dot me? Dot com was taken. <laughs> and dot me is an option, there's which not all, there's all kinds of them, but for some reason, some email like services won't recognize it. So if I go to sign up for somebody's list, they're like, put in a correct, and I'm like, it is. Uh- it is oh i love it yep. so cool okay thank you thank you amanda you around 
Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.